Hello, and welcome to the Zircona Growth Insights Podcast, bringing clarity to the complexities of consumer behavior. Episodes feature industry experts, partners, and guests across the 26 industries we track, representing nearly $4 trillion in global consumer spending. Our goal is to give you transformative insights and the most complete view of consumer and market opportunities. Hello, and welcome to Zircona's Growth Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Joan Driggs. Today, I'm joined by Sally Lyons-Wyatt, Circana's Global Executive Vice President for Consumer Goods and Food Service Insights. Each year, Sally leads some really impressive research into SNAP shoppers. These are consumers who receive Supplemental Assistance Nutrition Program benefits. Um, in fact, Sally just presented her research findings on a recent webinar, and that is available on demand at circana.com. Just click into Insights and go to Webinars. Um, so, Sally, thanks for joining me. I think that this is a super important consumer group because I don't think that people really appreciate the value that these shoppers bring to a retailer or the brands. Um, it's not just with their benefits, but, you know, they do have spend outside those benefits um, because we also know that not every purchase is eligible for SNAP benefits. So just to get us started, can you tell us a little bit more about the SNAP shopper? Sure. And the USDA has a program called the Thrifty Food Plan, and it really does align to the dietary guidance. It represents a limited food budget and reflects kind of what the consumers buy and eat in support of their healthy, active lifestyle. And SNAP are based on the Thrifty Food Plan. Their um, SNAP is allocated by state, so different states do at different amounts but they're updated each year based on kind of the cost of that thrifty food plan. Um, in fact, in 23, there had been an uptick as far as the amount of money received and that went into effect in October. So it is kind of looked at on, a, on an annual basis to make sure that they're trying to keep up with cost of living as best as they can. Now there are, you mentioned it, there are indeed foods that SNAP can be used on. Um, it can be used on things like fruits and vegetables, meat, poultry, fish, dairy, breads, cereals, really all any food for the household, except beer, wine, liquor, cigarettes, tobacco, also foods that are hot at the point of sale. So if you think about where you can go in and get a hot meal and walk out and just eat it or eat it right there, um, if you're thinking about a retailer, then those are not part of the SNAP. And also kind of some of the supplements, vitamins um, are not part. And then live animals cannot be used with SNAP. Um, <laughs> and also no puppies, some, yeah. no, puppies <laughs> no pets, no nothing like that. So, um, but, but that really is it. So it does give them a, a nice way to supplement their income because not, you don't have to be low income to be part of SNAP. In fact, SNAP can be um, from different income groups. What's the trigger is the combination of income household size um, are kind of the two triggers on what would um, denote whether you're eligible or not. So for instance, you can be a little higher income and have five plus people in the household and still be eligible for SNAP. So, and this is not a small group. I mean, this is probably, almost 13% of Americans 
um, receive SNAP benefits. So what is that, like 22 million households? That's That to me is just stunning. You know, again, this is invisible. We don't see this. Um, but I, I think, can you give me a sense, like have things, have these SNAP households increased over time? Is it decreasing, you know, based on the pandemic? I mean, any changes that you can identify? So we we have we we use some of the government documents to to get some of these numbers. So what we did see is that households increased about three percent since 2021. Um, and you know, depending on your situation, some households can go in and out of being on SNAP mm-hmm. because there may be a situation with their work, their employment that would mean that they need to be on SNAP, but then that could change. We all know that the world we live in, everything changes by the day. So it could change and therefore they come off of SNAP. Um, The majority of consumers that are on SNAP, they are, the policy is you can't stay on SNAP for an extended period of time. During COVID, those regulations were softened. um, And so there had been some folks that stayed on because of the situation we were in around the globe. But those have started, the, the restrictions have started to be put back in place, but again, each state warrants it a little differently, but SNAP is intended for just short-term leveraging versus forever leveraging. Right. Okay. But I think that we it's it's safe to say that, you know, close to 13% of the population um, receives these benefits, and that's pretty consistent, even if it's not the same households. So let's talk a little bit about what that means to like the retailers or the products that these people are buying. Yeah, I well, first of all, you mentioned it very early in Joan. The amount of money that they can spend can come from the SNAP benefits. In fact, based on again public documents, when you think about the fact that the federal state programs available for the supplemental um, nutritional program of SNAP and the women, infant, children WIC. That combined is about $117 billion based on officially reported numbers. When we look at our sales data going across all CPG retail, SNAP, specifically SNAP recipients, are spending approximately $288 billion. That is almost double what they get in their allocation, which means that they are taking their well-earned money plus the supplements and spending it back at retail. It, it's, it makes them extremely important. In fact, they do 21% more trips um, than the rest of the population. So they're incredibly important to retail. What I'm hearing from you is that their purchase power is nearly double of what the benefits are that they receive. So they are spending, like they are strong spenders, and now you're layering in that they're also frequent visitors to stores. So right. again, we're not getting into the size of the basket each time, but that that traffic alone is really valuable. Correct. Okay, Absolutely great. correct. So let's talk a little bit about where that traffic is going. Like, let's talk about some of the different channels um, is it, you know, grocery that's like the biggest channel or do they go towards more value channels? Um, and I'm talking about, you know, dollar, food, convenience, drug, mass, club, across all those channels. Tell me a little bit about where they might favor one channel over another. Joan, that's a great question. And it's important to note that SNAP consumers are extremely important to almost any retailer. But to some, 
they're incredibly important. For instance, at Dollar, SNAP consumers do roughly 48% of the dollar sales in that channel. That's incredible. It's almost 50%. They do 39% of convenience channel sales and 35% of mass. And no matter what channel you look at, SNAP is contributing to over 20% of the channel's sales. So they are extremely important when you think about, I mean, they're getting close to a quarter of the sales in almost every single channel, even when you think about pure play e-com or specialty stores. So they they tend to go there. Where we saw them lean a little bit more in 23 is leaning a little bit more with their dollars into mass, into convenience, into club, but also dollar, drug, and even off price. So what is missing from all of that is food. Like I, and I know you already you already said more than 20% of channel sales come from these snap shoppers. So that's sizable. But I'm still surprised that traditional grocery stores, you know, aren't aren't closer to the top. I can understand dollar. I can even understand convenience because it's local. It's it's the quick trip. But what is missing from food? So food is still in the consideration set. SNAP represents about 31% of food sales. And food was relatively flat in 23. Um, in fact, when you look at, if you took SNAP and all the dollars they spend on food and beverage, then food is the larger of all the channels. It's about 29% where mass is 23, convenience is roughly 14. Um, food just didn't see the same growth. It was just relatively flat, but it also points towards um, the opportunity that you point to. And I think one of the opportunities is they had a little slight loss, just slight on household penetration. And so they, I think the opportunity for food is to really continue to communicate to that community in such a way that embraces them and brings them into their channel with what with understanding what they're buying from the others and making sure they have the right assortment and the right price um, to appeal and attract to keep those consumers in those stores buying more when they're there and more frequently. So Looking across, you know, all the work that you and your team have done for this, have you seen different ways that retailers are engaging with SNAP shoppers that you're like nodding your head going, yep, that is that is the way to do it? Like share a couple of those examples with us. So as you pointed out, Joan, we had an opportunity to go and peruse websites across many different retailers. And there's some that are doing a great job that I'm going to talk about specifically. And there's some that we were really having to search hard. So I would say that as I go through this and kind of mention what we found, um, it is an opportunity for those not doing it to maybe embrace these ideas, for those doing it to keep it up. Because I think it's it's paying off because some of these are are definitely in the sectors winning. So what do I mean by that? Walmart is one. They have easy to find SNAP EBT. You can actually do a search um, to find SNAP products, SNAP eligible products, and they will pull it up for you in um, in the search and or just take you to a page that shows you the EBT cash and SNAP online. Um, so they've made it re relatively easy. 
They also have recipes with ingredients and showing you how much that meal might cost you. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, when you're a family trying to make ends meet and you want some ideas, I think recipe ideas with that cost is key. Kroger also did a SNAP EBT view. And again, just showing that this loaf of bread, for example, is EBT eligible and what the price would be. So they did a nice job there. Um, We also saw with Target, just even the the tags that they use when you go through and you do a sort, you can look for the tag of SNAP EBT. So again, being able to search. And when you look at Target, they also were doing um, recipes, some not specific to SNAP, but yet some that could mention SNAP EBT eligible. Kroger also is able to do the SNAP EBT view and being able to um, provide you with the cost of what that product is. And same with Amazon. Um, In fact, Amazon has a nice little button where if you want to look for deals and SNAP eligible groceries, then you can just add your card in and it will give you the, uh, the opportunity to find things. So I think the ease of shopping is part of this because online can be daunting for some. And when you have limited funds, you're trying to figure out what can I afford, what is eligible, what's not. These retailers have made it easy for SNAP consumers to find what they want and what is eligible. And then they can make decisions. Okay, that one's not eligible. Then do I want to spend my money on that or not? But I think easy to find the recipes, I think education is important on these websites to really help educate how to build a nutritious meal for a very affordable price. I just think online is such a great avenue for retailers to embrace, especially communicating to staff. Well, you've already you've already answered my next question is like, what strategies do you recommend? Which is great. So thank you. Um, there was one I wanted to add, and this one was interesting. Meyer, which is kind of a Midwest chain, they're offering discounts to, on milk to um, SNAP cardholders or SNAP benefit holders, which I thought was really interesting. It's almost like here's a little extra something because we know you're trying to stretch the dollar. I love that and for so many reasons. But when you think about milk and the variety of ways you use milk, you drink it, you put it in recipes, you put it on dry cereal. There's And so it's such a great, I'll call it a loss leader, if you will, but it is that. It's like, I'll take the, I will, Mr. Retailer's saying, I will take the margin out of that milk and that's okay because then the consumer's coming in and they're buying multiple things they can use with that milk. I think it's a brilliant strategy. That's awesome. So I just want to wrap up because I feel like you've already provided a nice conclusion, you know, in terms of that this is such a large um, 17% of households. It's a very large, powerful group that has benefits beyond those actual SNAP dollars. You know, they are spending additional money and it's hard earned money, to your point, um, that they make up a large chunk of um, channel sales across all channels. Um, Those were really, I mean, even in talking about grocery, which was more than 30%, you're going from like 50% to 30%, and they're just a smaller portion of the population. So that's really interesting. Um, I love those stories, of course, about how to connect with shoppers. And I feel like recipes, 
that provide like the cost of the meal or the cost of the, the serving, that's valuable for anybody. I mean, I would love to see more of that. Um, and I like the I like the communicating with shoppers. I mean, we know that most shoppers, particularly younger shoppers, are are really engaging with with retailers or making their lists long before they get to the store. So that's the opportunity. And you've described a lot of ways different retailers are already connecting and communicating with these shoppers. So I love that. So Sally, with that, I want to thank you and thank you especially for this really important research that you and your team are, are doing. Oh, Jen, thank you so much. And thanks for having me today. And thanks for those of you that listened. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Zirconic Growth Insights podcast so you don't miss an episode. And let us know what you'd like us to cover. We'll serve it up in a future episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review Zirconic Growth Insights. Want to learn more? Visit us at zircona.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.